one message for you took from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? It's not rocket science, you know. I think you, like me, um, have a face for radio. You know who me? If we don't play, we can play as we got. The next man up. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. And I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Moran. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. We need a little bit more professionalism. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The BS Podcast in five, four, three, two. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the BS Podcast. I am your host, Quincy Moran, in the BS studio with Wild Bill and Cindy Smith. The Saban Correspondent, ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing today? It is Alabama and Auburn. That's our review today. Among many other things, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, so much has happened since our last show, but I, I wanted to make sure that for this 2022 season, we got to talk in about Alabama and Auburn. And uh, as I look at my notepad, I spelled Alabama with a capital A, and every letter of Auburn is lowercased um, because I just simply football hate you, Auburn, and it's not going to change. <laughs> so with that, um, we'll get the first quarter started off here, and Alabama beats uh, Auburn 49-27 to in T-Town. And I guess I have to call myself a spoiled little kid uh, because we won, but we didn't win how I wanted it to. So it's like getting a bicycle for Christmas, but it's not the color I wanted. So boo hoo. And I got a few things I want to talk about as I set the stage, and then we kind of get your uh, your opening thoughts, Uncle Bill. I'm looking at the defensive rank uh, nation, the nationwide rank for the Auburn Tigers, sitting at 76th. Uh, I'm looking at them ranked offensively at. Uh, 78th, which is offensive to me because I want them to be ranked 131st. Actually, I want them to be ranked 132nd out of 131 teams. Um, I look at uh, I look at Bama, and they are ranked defensively number 15, and respectively offensively number 14. And I look at this and I go, 49-27 is a good win, but it's not looking at those numbers where we rank nationally. Now I know for the Iron Bowl, you know, and for um, when it comes to rivalry weekend, we're supposed to throw the records out. But for uh, for Alabama trying to make a statement to to make their bid to get into the college football playoff, I don't really think allowing Auburn to score 27 points and rack up over 300 yards rushing was necessarily the case that Alabama needed to make. What say you, Wild Bill? True. That is so true. Because when you let to the tune, let them go for it, and, and the quarterback is running rampant through our defensive line, and, and linebackers was just 
<laughs> like a buzzsaw through soft butter. Yeah, there it goes. I mean, to me, it was inexcusable. I, I, I just, you, you know, the offense got it in gear. They were clicking pretty good. But the defense, it just seemed like couldn't stop them running the ball. Yeah, no, he made two no, or they, three it, decent throws, but but they knew he couldn't throw the ball that much, that well. And you can't gear up and stop the run. Oh yeah. Where was our yeah. spy on the quarterback? You, you know. I, yeah, I think uh, I think he got the wrong coordinates and was dropped in the wrong territory because nobody was spying that quarterback. I mean, no. if you look at Ashford. You know, and I know we're going to get in the full stats, but that dude, you look at that guy, he he ran 17 times for 121 yards. I mean, Alabama, where? Where was Will? Dallas. To'o, to'o. <laughs> what in the world happened? I'm thinking, my goodness sakes, what's your overall take on the game? I know I'm a spoiled Alabama fan. Um, that wanted to beat them seventy nine to nothing. Um, I know it was a little more realistic if I look at the uh, the point spread that w- that we put out on this podcast. But what was your overall thought of the game, uh, just from a fan's perspective? Mayor Cindy, you that's you, Wild Bill. Oh, I, I'm like you, son. If we if we can beat them a hundred to nothing, do it. Take no mercy, hold nothing back. Run it in the ground. Keep I mean, that's scoring. right. I, if we could give them negative points, I would like to score a few of those type of touchdowns. It's Auburn. Come on. And City, what was your uh, what was your take on the game as a whole? I mean, I'm kind of like you. They won, but it wasn't like a good win, like past teams. Like there was no really big stuff you know, that kind of happened. Um, I mean, I don't want them to score 100 points. I mean, I just want them to win. But because there are a lot of coaches that will run it up, so I'm glad Coach Saban doesn't do that. But it still seems like we're lacking. We're lacking. I don't I mean, know what uh, it is, but we're lacking. <laughs> it was uh... – it was really the tune for the whole season. Like I say, I mean, I I much prefer that we we beat Auburn forty nine to twenty seven um, rather than you know lose. I I, I don't want to lose, but we were. I think we've been waiting this entire twenty twenty two season for a statement game. But I think each game, especially those road games, kind of summed up a statement game as a whole or a statement season. Is that uh, Coach Saban said last year was a rebuilding year, but really. I think he really misdiagnosed it because that would be the 2022 season. And look, we're talking about a team that's 10 and two. Uh, so let's let's not cry too far. But looking at the teams that we lost to, one of those we truly had no business losing to. And I, I'm on a point to the scores. You know, from last week, uh, our predictions. Uncle Bill, you said 37-13, and Sandy, you had 24-21. Joshy Boy said 28-27, and I called 42. 21 and that was just simply based on uh like the averages on on points so looks like i had a, a pretty good week so i predicted it it doesn't mean i that's what i wanted to happen that's just what i thought was going to happen and that's probably the only one i got right the entire season so i'm i'm not even as good as alabama 
uh, when it comes to playing these games. But, you know, as we go into uh, segment number two and we look at Wild Bill's Bama bullet points, maybe later on in the program, you know, we can give our assessment of where the program stands. And, look, we're family. We are doing a family podcast. We're not professional analysts, but we're given the fan perspective. So I just want our listeners to make sure they understand that. Um, I'm not sure who's downloading the show overseas, like in India and whatnot, but, uh, if, hey, you in India, thanks for listening, <laughs> Indian Nation. We love it. All right, Wild Bill, your Bama bullet points. It's time to get it on. Okay, the first number I have, the first bullet point is zero. Zero. Zero for the number of times that Bryce Young was sacked by Auburn compared to seven sacks in the game last year. <laughs> That's a great – hey, there we – look, you're looking on the bright side already. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then here you go, number six. Six false starts by the Auburn offensive line. All right. Hey, man, I, I like these bullet points so far. Uh, the number eight, which is the third bullet point, tackles for loss by Alabama, which included four sacks to the quarterback. That is a good feeling. I, I don't know when we sacked him because he was running for 121 yards, but apparently we got him. Yeah, they hit him, but they still – would let him get loose. You'd think he'd have him, and there they'd go. So, man, that that happened on Saturday with that TCU quarterback. He, yeah. uh, man, was, he was a machine on the field. <laughs> he was. Um, bullet point number four. It's five point four. That it was the average yards gained on first down by the Tide. Um. Uh, Number five, the 53, the number 53. That was our longest pass play. It was a pass to Jermaine Burton for 50, that gained 53 yards. Then the last uh, bullet point, uh, 343. That was the number of yards passing that Bryce Young had uh, in the ball game against Auburn. So um, we, we made I mean, progress, but uh, – it just seemed like, you know, Cindy and I, we, we've watched uh, some of the other games and some of the other teams. Um, it just seemed like we never really had the alpha dog leader to really get the team excited. You watched, uh, we'd watched some of the other teams. Man, over on the sidelines, they were jumping, screaming, you know, getting together you know, the offense or the defense, but it just seemed like we never had that really. You know, there was a time or two that Will did during the course of the year, time or two that Bryce did, but it can't be one game or two games. Every game, you got to have that enthusiasm because you're, play, you're Alabama. You've you got to be ready to go and show some enthusiasm because you've got that crimson jersey on. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, you know, my pastor, um, Bill, oddly enough, back in the day, um, he espoused the idea that 
the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if we take a look at that, just apply that on the sideline. I'm not saying it's it's scientific. I'm uh, it, I'm sure the science came from somewhere. But if we apply that, you know, to Alabama's persona on the sideline, um, there truly was a lack of emotion. And you know, you want to say that you're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to play your best on Saturdays, but if, if that's what the game looked like, if that's what the attention to detail looked like during, um, you know, the first, the second, the third, and the fourth quarter, you know, practice really, really had to be a struggle. And I think at the beginning of the season, Coach Saban was pleased with the way this team came along. So I thought they – I thought externally, you know, before they knew what they were made of, it seemed like they might have been battle-tested and, and – you know, coming in to how close we got last year and looking for a wide receiver that was going to emerge, um, it really seemed like, you know, we were on course to really wrong our rights from the last season and, and win the title this year. Um, but I think the product on the field, just going back to the point, uh, there was a lack of emotion, a lack of leadership, and that had to be evident at practice. I don't remember anybody talking about it, um, like any media that, that got their time at practice. I don't know if you heard anything like that, Aunt Cindy, um, you know, just kind of coming out of any of the other press conferences or, you know, throughout the season. I didn't hear anything like that, but it's kind of what we saw, you know, on the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you ready for me? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. In the in the in Radio Land, like if I if I mention your name, that means I'm coming to you. That's a like a slick way of me bringing like looping you into the conversation. Well, okay. Um, talking to. Just kind of getting your just kind of getting your thoughts on that, and then I'll share the stats. Um, but as far, what, what do you think about that, you know, as far as what you saw on the sideline? Do you think that was a product of practice, or, or what are your thoughts? Well, what I noticed that um, Coach Saban kind of said, not just once, but a couple of different times in his press conference, was he kept talking about the naysayers and the negative people. He said that... Mm-hmm that he was proud of the team, that they won 10 games, and the two games that they lost were on the road to top teams by four points. And so he said what had happened was um, naysayers and negative people had actually brought the team together. I'm sure this was his kind of view of it. Um, And he said that at one point the team – like I guess when they were having a team meeting or um, in the locker room or whatever, uh, they were so upset by all the stuff that had been being said and talked about that they said if if this was all they had, this was what all that they needed to prove the naysayers wrong. And he said that um, when negative uh, people criticized the culture of the university that it hurts not only the reputation of the university, but it also hurts the players and the team. So I thought that was, you know, that is true, I think. Um, He said that Bryce uh, had grit and commitment to the team while he was going through his injury. 
and that he was probably, you know, one of the greatest competitors. And he talked about even through all of that, you know, he still wanted to be there um, for the team and everything like that. He said that they had a, they did a lot of quality control before the game uh, with different formations and play action passes. So he said them running the ball early, um, he thought that that, you know, they did accomplish a couple of things through that, but there were things they could have done better. And then he started talking about Pop Warner when he played like football when he was a kid growing up. And he said that, you know, he felt like Auburn, you know, played really well, like especially running the ball. He said some of those plays that they called were what um, they had back in the day at Pop Warner football. And he said, I haven't seen those plays in many years. He said, they're good plays too. So um, he just said they didn't execute it, you know, like that they should have. So I feel like that he, um, I guess, has been hearing a lot of the, you know, stuff that's been being said. So he, he really mentioned that several times. Like, you need to stop saying negative things and, you know, different things like that. He said, you know, um, winning the Iron Bowl was a great accomplishment, which that is true because it's a big game in the state of Alabama. So, yeah. Yeah, most uh, most certainly it's yeah. it's almost become the game we care about, <laughs> most of, you know, during the season. I mean, usually the, the game we care the most about is the next one. Um, and, and far be it from me to criticize Coach Saban in a way where I'm going to point fingers at him. Um, I think I just – there's a lot to unpack based on what you're talking about with with the press conference. And, you know, there's – like you teach your family, there's always going to be negative forces outside, um, outside of your home. And sometimes they're inside your home, but uh, – you know, when you look at football, it's it's definitely you have to talk about the culture. I mean, the reason the reason I say that is because the thing that defined us over the last decade was our Bama factor, the process. Um, and if you if you as a professional are going to accept the accolades for the good side of what you produce then you have to expect when it doesn't look like the typical product that you're going to gain some criticism. And, you know, far be it for me to tell Coach Saban how to do his job. He is, I mean, by far of my lifetime, my 40, going on 45 years of, you know, of living, no matter what this year looks like, whether we beat K-State or not, he's one of the greatest coaches to ever do this job by far. Head and shoulders above. But it's it, it bothers me slightly that, um, and I say slightly because I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, to say that, you know, we understand that the, the words you're saying, you know, the negativity they hear, um, it hurts. But at the same time, if it matches the product on the field, we're asking for you to fix that and to coach that up and to address that and to teach 
resiliency, which is one of the things that's like one of the primary things that Coach Saban talks about and being able to move on to the next play and each guy just do your job. Um, and, and allow, I mean, what's the effect if the, the team on the other side of the football has negative things to say? Is it going to affect our play during the game? So, I mean, we as Alabama fans, we have a high standard. And, um, I mean, it's been, it's been set. That standard has been set by Coach Saban in, in the performance of the team. But am I reading too far into that that it sounds a little bit like um, – like he doesn't want the negativity, but he's okay with the praise. Am I am I wrong about that, Uncle Bill? I no, I think you're on the right track. But he he has to understand, you know. And like you say, he's the greatest college coach of all time. But we can look at just take the Tennessee game. I was talking with a friend of mine on the phone this afternoon. Um, I talk to him every so often. You take the Tennessee game. One guy, one wide receiver, and one quarterback. Five touchdowns to one guy running the same play, basically. They line him up wide, and there he goes. Why could we not change the defense somewhere during that ball game to say he's not going to score another touchdown on beating our defensive backs down the field. Right. The average fan can see that. So you you got to take the you got to be able to take negative because if, if there was nothing ever negative, how are you going to build character? How are you going to build uh, people? Because life has got full of negative stuff. Right. Through our lifetime, but it's what? How do you handle that negative? How do you come through that negative situation? You know, and yeah. and the players, the players know when they come to the University of Alabama, there's a certain standard that they're to play by. If you can't do that, don't come to Alabama. Well, here's an Very example true, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a high school in our area. I'm not going to say which one. Um, a lady called me this morning and had ordered uh, some products. So he had a couple of errands. And I said, do you mind to go by and drop it off? Well, I told her what time and everything. Well, they have an early lunch. So when they go to lunch... Now, we're talking about high school kids. Mm-hmm. They have to escort the teenagers to the lunchroom, and they have to sit down and have lunch with them if they don't have a relief for them to have her break. From what I understood, she didn't even get her break this morning because her relief didn't show up to give her her break. And so the wires got crossed, so he had to go back by. I mean, they can't even walk out of the classroom. So I'm just I'm what I'm trying to say is a lot of these young people now, and that's one thing that she mentioned to me, she said, it's not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of a lot of young people now, they're not being raised how Bill and I were raised. They're not even yeah. being raised how you were raised. 
And so it's, um, you know, everything is so (laughs) delicate and soft and easy and no, you know, controversy, no negative, no, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, there's no toughness. So, um, and when she's yeah. talking about that, because we we kind of chuckled about it, and I told Bill, I said, "Isn't that sad?" In a high school, the teacher has to go and walk teenagers to the cafeteria to sit down and have lunch, and can't even leave the classroom for like two minutes, like that. Yeah, and absurd. most of the class, most of the. Um, classes there they have their teacher but they also have an assistant that sits in with you know the class it's it's you know yeah so i mean when you think about that you know back in the day if you acted up you got a busting from the principal mm-hmm. and then you got a busting when you got home <laughs> nobody gets busted anymore <laughs> no booties get yeah. busted anymore <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember, you know, just being in fifth grade. I, I walked to the lunchroom without a teacher by myself. Um, it was pretty simple because you know we were, we did have some structure and some discipline. And you know, I'm I I, I make a distinction on the program. Um, that when I talk about play in football, I'm talking about football and not like. I'm not personalizing it to like that guy's a low life, you know, he's a dirtbag if unless it's an Auburn player. Otherwise, I'm not <laughs> making it. I'm not like taking personal digs at the human being themselves. Right. It's it's a competitive sport. So it's it's up to us as the, as the fan base to watch the game and to give our opinion. I mean, that's the privilege we have as being a fan of the program. And so when I when I listen to these, you know, when I listen to these thoughts, I mean, one of the things that's very important is that you you focus on the things you can affect, you control the things that you can control. And if the former players are looking, they have more insight than any analyst, any fan, anyone. And if they're looking at this, they're not making it personal, I don't think. I think they're looking at it and saying the culture is different, the level of accountability is different. I think it probably does hurt Coach Saban's feelings to an extent because he loves his players. But I think he sees the same situation, and this is where he has to reinvent himself and what accountability and discipline looks like within the program because I'm telling you, he and Kirby, are, are uh, they're courting the same kids. You know, him and Heupel, same kids. Him and Jimbo Fisher, same kids. Him and Sam Pittman, same kids. Him and Billy Napier, the same kids. So, um, I mean, even as far as what they're going after, uh, the the guys at USC, uh, we're getting guys from California, you know, so Ohio State and Michigan, we're all, they're all going after the same groups of kids. There's just a different result of these other places and there are still places where you see discipline matters i mean uh, coach kirby smart is a is a prime example discipline still matters over in georgia unless i'm missing it um so it's i think the culture um the culture is a reflection of leadership and i'm not saying that the culture that coach saban has created 
is negative. It's softer than it was before, um, and that might have to do with just his development and understanding and, and trying to relate to this younger generation that is more fragile, not physically, but mentally. So that to me is something where it's like, okay, coach, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily 100%, even though the, the blame goes to the head coach. Um, I think it has to do with more than just his standard. It also has to do with some of the assistant coaches that he's brought in and it ha- and the culture has evolved. Maybe it's gotten loose a little bit and he needs to pull the reins in um, so that he he can reshape or redefine what the new Bama process looks like. If there's anybody who can do it, it's Coach Saban. I mean, really. He's been able to reinvent himself before. I keep going back to the, you know, the no-huddle offense and his complaints about that. He was right about it. Um, he, and then you look at what NIL has become. Well, he's right about it. And maybe folks think it's all about his competitive edge, but he's talking about it's completely changing the face of college football. So when it comes – I understand it hurts him because, you know, sometimes it hurts me to hear my kids talk about the culture in my home. But still, when it comes to authority, the program is under Coach Saban's authority. So it's it's um, imperative that he's the one who – dials in the culture he loves his he loves his kids but the culture has obviously changed and the product is on the field because we are no longer we no longer have the leadership on the grass in between you know the sidelines in between the lines and we no longer have that mental toughness and I don't know if it's the process or the kids that we're coaching etc if Josh were on the program right now he'd tell me to shut up and stop rambling so I will stop (laughs) rambling Um, so let's take a look at the stats real quick. Uh, when it comes to, uh, Alabama and Auburn, Auburn first downs, 21, Alabama, 26, third down efficiency, Auburn, four of 14, Alabama, six of nine, fourth down efficiency, two for two, Alabama did not have a, have a go on fourth, fourth down. I I think, uh, we spent all the fourth downs we needed against Austin P since we were two for two against Austin P. Total yards, uh, Auburn had 395. That is crazy because 313 or 14 of those were rushing. Alabama had a total of 516. So passing yards, as we said. Ashford was 11 of 23 for 77 yards. That one pass he threw in the end zone for 20 yards was a straight rope. I mean, the guy, I was like, oh, I even texted you, Uncle Bell. I said, I thought this guy couldn't pass. And there he was. Um, Well, that was the only one. Yeah. I mean, everybody gets lucky sometimes. <laughs> he he did, and that was about the extent of it. Um, he he took the rest of it out on his legs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then you look at Bryce Young, 20 of 30 for 343. And uh, how many of those 10 passes hit guys in the hands and they just simply didn't catch it? A systemic issue at Alabama for the last couple of years. Um, yards per pass, a strong, a towering, a magnanimous 3.3 for Auburn. And 11.4 for the Tide. Interceptions, none for that uh, 77 yards of passing for Auburn. And one for Bryce Young, who threw 343 yards. And then rushing 318 yards on the ground against that Alabama defense. Alabama had a great day rushing, 173 yards. I mean, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, Auburn went 43 rushing attempts, 7.4 yards. Bama, 34 rushing attempts for uh, 5.1. And then the penalties. Here we go with the penalties again. Auburn, 10 of four, for 49. Alabama, 11 penalties for 102 yards. One more penalty and double the fun. How do you like that? Turnovers, Auburn had two. Bama had one. Fumbles lost. Two fumbles lost. Um for Auburn and then you know this doesn't surprise me at all Uncle Bill time of possession Auburn 31 uh, 10 Alabama 28 50 it doesn't surprise me just because of all that running they they held the ball for 318 yards yikes yikes almighty so 7.4 yards per carry Yes, sir. Like a buzzsaw through hot butter, I think we said earlier. Man, it was just easy pickings. But it didn't amount to, I guess it amounted to 27 points. Um, But I should be happy as long as Alabama scored 28 or more, and they scored 49. So we're in good shape. We're in really good shape. Um, You know, just kind of finalizing the Coach Saban piece, I I read an article that I sent through the group chat this week for – a guy who in a smart way, like a very smart move, did not put his email address on the article he wrote about keeping Bill O'Brien and mm-hmm. Pitiful Pete. I hate saying Pitiful Pete because I like Pete Golden. Um, and I just thought it was absolutely absurd. I mean, when you have when you have the uh, the media talking about how poor the play calling is and how it was a waste of a former Heisman Trophy's, you know, junior season. You know it's bad. I just uh, – I can't get past that. It's 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 pitiful. We have yet to see any moves, which is odd to me. I don't know if it's uh, – if we're getting to this Kansas State game. But uh, here's a few things I want to talk about with college football's latest news. Hey, Quincy. Hooker. Yes, sir. Go we ahead. We lost our defensive back coach today. Yeah, he was our assistant coordinator, right? He's yeah. going to, to coach primetime. Going to coach with primetime. And it's uh, Louis Vuitton luggage. Louis Vuitton luggage, baby. Hey, let me uh, let me just say that in his interview, he had to make the case that it was not his fault for those 318 yards on the ground with Auburn. Otherwise, I don't know why Coach Prime would have brought him. But, you know, Coach Prime, he's a, he's a smart guy. Um, I really hope he has a lot of success in Colorado. It's a really tough place to play. I mean, just uh, just to put a bow on that, their um, their schedule. They had the number one toughest strength of schedule in the country this year. That, and I don't know what next year looks like, um, but it says they had the number one, and they finished one and eleven. So. The bar for success is set really low for Coach Primetime, but you know he's going to go there. He's going to recruit. If he can get you know top prospects um, to his former uh, job in Jackson, then I think he's going to be okay in Colorado playing in the Pac-12. Uh, uh, it's like I so. told Cindy. I said, yeah, but don't go out there. My luggage, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton, he didn't have that when he went to Florida State. So don't you go would these days there. with that NIL. <laughs> uh. Well, I think he, hey, I'm okay with it, man. He's uh he's earned it through his career and then uh, his commentating and now coaching. So 
It doesn't bother me. I would not spend that kind of money on luggage, especially if I was near uh, the Biden administration's nuclear waste secretary who's taking people's <laughs> luggage and running off with it. <laughs> you better make sure that he's not on your flight. Um, anyway, here are some somebody of the headlines. What's that? For your luggage this day. Somebody will kill you for your luggage, this, that kind of luggage. They'll rob well, you. Man, if you're, paying two, if you're paying $2,000 for luggage, first of all, I don't roll like that. And second of all, man, you got you you better have a concealed carry permit because you might have to fight for your life or the life yep. of your luggage. Um, here's some uh, latest headlines. Then, uh, Uncle Bill, I'll have you take a stab at whichever one of these one, two, three, four you like. Uh, headline number one, Hooker gets left out of the Heisman count, which is just baffling. Um, Hugh gets the hire down in uh, in Auburn. Uh, a hefty number of players hit the transfer portal. I think we're up to 13 now in Alabama. And then Bama gets a sweet bid to the Sugar Bowl playing Kansas State. Any of those headlines grab your attention? Yeah, Hugh Freeze to Auburn. Hugh Freeze hey, to Auburn. We were what? talking about it at the golf course at our Christmas luncheon today. He got hired for one reason, because he is 2-3 and three against Alabama. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He beat Nick Saban twice in Ole Miss, and that got him the job. Because, you know, just just bringing that up, and I'll have you elaborate more because I am talking way too much. The spirit of Josh is among us. Um, <laughs> listening, uh, like listening to his record in the SEC, it actually wasn't great. Nope. He had those two big wins against Saban. Um, you know, and they, uh, me and Cindy's read quite a bit of stuff on it. You know, they had a great article. This uh, guy wrote a great article on Carnell, um, how Auburn really has just used him, that God had a calling that this, this guy that wrote this article said, you need to leave. You, God's got calling on you to go somewhere. You need to go so you can help some. But but they they used him. They didn't really interview him. They just gave him a courtesy, just just so they could say we did interview a person of color. You know to do that. But they they say that they looked into all of this stuff. They checked in all this stuff. But seven yeah the situation at Ole Miss seventeen major recruiting violations which now you know it, 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 they pay them now so it's no big deal but you just ignored that you've ignored about the cell phone the escort service and then he got into a situation at Liberty University you're, you're ignoring all of that just because you look at that and he beat Alabama twice. Because there's been some Auburn fans have really, they're really upset. We've read articles where season ticket holders said they will not attend another Auburn game. Wow. With this hire. So what what did they look at in hiring him? Because he beat Alabama two out of five tries. So that's who we're going to go for. Yeah, I... I listened to his in a couple. I listened to some of his interviews. His latest one with Paul after he got hired, Paul Feinbaum. Um, 
and it sounded it sounded to me, you know, and I'm I'm all for giving somebody look, I guess if I back up a little bit, if I had cameras following me around, not that I've done what he's done. I have not called escort services. I have no, no skeletons in my closet on that side. I'm not on a national stage. I don't have cameras following me around, reporters looking for me and trying to figure out all the, the stupid things that I've done, and I don't have millions of dollars to get that, to do those stupid things. Um, with that being said, if he goes and he, you know, being a man of faith, it's like, you know, you can, I believe that people can change because I myself am a product of change. Um, I was not aware until yesterday, and this is the second time I heard it, he had some kind of an incident at Liberty. Now, I don't know what that was, but that's troubling because to me that's, if it's anything like what was going on at Ole Miss, that could be a problem. So, you know, they vetted it. I don't know what gave Lane Kiffin the change of heart. I, I think he was probably their prime candidate based on what I hear, and I don't really talk to anybody, but I just listen to a lot of programs. Um, I don't know what changed it for him. Um, and I just listening to to Hugh Freeze talk, I, uh, I really liked the guy. I hated that I liked him just because he's going to Auburn. But I didn't know that uh, he had another, you know, moment that could have been. What was the situation around that at Liberty? There were some female students at, uh, in that had gone to the administration about some sexual misconduct among some of the athletes toward the, these students. So this one girl that had already graduated, there was some text messages and stuff, you know, sent and whatnot. And so he stuck his nose in and basically, you know, was like, you're lying. This, this didn't happen to you. Basically, it's what it boiled down to. And so, okay, I got gotcha. you. You know, and I, I told Cindy, I said, first of all, he should have just stayed out of it. With his past, he should have stayed out of it, period. He shouldn't have commented one way or the other. You know, so, you know, so they've investigated, and some of the, some of the athletes have gotten in trouble for sexual misconduct and stuff, uh, harassment and stuff toward some of the females, some of the athletes. So why why are you going, you know, just stay out of it? It wasn't. Yeah, take a, right, right. Take a, take a more professional approach and allow the investigation to take place. I, I would say, um, so, well, thankfully it wasn't, it wasn't, what I assumed it was when I heard it, um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, he'll be, uh, he's not going to have a leash as long as Jimbo Fisher does. I guarantee you that. No. But, uh, you know, they are, Auburn has, and I, I hope, I hope that he fully has been redeemed and that, you know, his wife um, stands behind him and their marriage is restored. And I'm for that, 100% for that. I'm for uh, you know, men being reconciled to their wives and, and being redeemed and coming back. I'm, I'm for the underdog. And, you know, if he goes there and he wins, you know, all the games except one every year, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be happy. Um, but I, I can't help but agree with you when it comes to what happened to Cadillac. I don't know. I mean, he did what he did, you know, and, and really gave them life. 
at the end of the season, but I don't know his credentials that would qualify him at this point to get such a high-profile job. I know he's an Auburn guy, but I don't know what his coaching pedigree is that uh, would qualify him to coach for a major university like that. I'm not uh, – I don't know his background other than his time at Auburn. So, did he well, have – coaching eight years. Uh, I believe he was with uh, – in the NFL before he came to Auburn. But Gus Malzahn, he just left and went one year to Arkansas State. Really, what, how was he qualified – he went from being a high school coach in Arkansas to the offensive coordinator at Auburn. So he saw the handwriting on the wall. So he left for a year and went to Arkansas State. And what did they do? They fired Chiswick and brought him in. So yeah. Cadillac was the coach for four games. He got them to play what they were terming Auburn football. So why would you not leave him in that position? I just don't know. I mean, has he ever had like a head coaching no. job? Okay. And that's, played, that to me. He played, he played and then he, you know, I guess like running back coach or whatever, like he is down there. And I think, like, I think if that is, I don't, I, I think truthfully, this is just where I stand, and it's okay if we disagree. I think it would be a disservice to make him a head coach. Um, without having head coach experience because the the level like you're you're like a CEO of an organization at the level of Alabama and Auburn LSU etc so if he if he doesn't have I mean he was able to get it done but there was no real expectation on him except for you know don't run the train off the tracks into the water <laughs> but it was all the train was already stopped you know, before the water. So the expectation was low. Anything he did would have been a a positive, but I've, I've never been a head coach. I've been a, like in, you know, at a lower level in high school and and junior high football is what I've coached. But I can tell you that if you have not, if you don't have the, uh, with the expectation on you to win, to hire a staff, if you haven't been through that process, even at like, at least like a, a, a junior college level, or a, a, a prominent college level, I think throwing the guy into that is a disservice to him. I think he does need to be mentored, and I don't think Harson was the right mentor for him because of the, the situation that surrounded him. So maybe Hugh Freeze is a guy that can mentor him, and he'll get an opportunity, and maybe he comes home at one point to be the coach. Um, but that's that's where I stand from a coach's perspective because if you put somebody in over their head, you can just wreck their career from here on out, especially such a high-profile job, coaching against, you know, Kirby Smart, coaching against Nick Saban, and those guys, those are guys you're going to play every year. And now Brian Kelly, um, because he's in the West, I I think I think it would be premature, um, and that's me. If you disagree with me, I think I am okay with that. But that's just kind of where I stand. Well, it just with him having played at Auburn. And then he'd been on the staff for four years. So you're looking at seven or eight years he had been a part of the program. But he had the support of the fan base. And he had a support staff with him that was really – so so he had been there long enough. He knew how 
how the football program ran. Plus, but here now to go along with your point that you're making, you know, they just opened that big new football facility that is unreal. Um, right. You know, so they're, I, I'm sure they were looking at that, but, but see, he knew what Hugh knew what he was doing because he gave him a promotion, the associate head yeah. coach. Well, and that's, that's where I think far be it for me to wish anything good from anybody at Auburn, but I'll put my pride aside for a minute <laughs> and say, since he is such a quality guy, like he's a quality guy, the people in his hometown love him. I haven't heard anybody say a negative thing about him besides, you know, Josh making fun of him not being very eloquent. But who of us are? Who who on the podcast was when Josh was talking mess about Cadillac not being able to articulate a point and it's and there's Josh and I'm like, How, what room do you have to talk, Josh? Um, I mean, maybe he's not articulate, but he played college football, professional football, and he's a millionaire and now he's coaching at Auburn. So I mean, I think he's doing all right for himself. But with that being said. I know it was all in fun, too, but with that being said, I hope that Hugh Freeze um, put gave him this promotion, and I hope he really trains and mentors him. Um, if, his, if his faith in God is what he says it is, and I pray that it is, then he will mentor him um, like, a, like a true father would a son and teach him about the business of football. And hopefully Cadillac looks at him, and has an understanding of, you know, like Coach Saban says, great people learn from their mistakes. I mean, good people learn from their mistakes, but great people learn from other people's mistakes. I hope that gets applied here in this situation. And I hope he has a great, long, successful coaching career anywhere but Auburn. That's that's my hope. Well, he Freeze went straight from high school to Ole Miss. Hey, there you go. And he didn't have a great record, and he had to leave because he couldn't handle it. He was an idiot. <laughs> He almost screwed up his marriage and wrecked his life. So I don't know if that furthers my point or yours, but uh, we both made some good points. I, I, I think it's better if, uh, if he gets a little, more, a little more time in a higher position and gains a little more experience. That's just, I just know. wanted the officials to throw a flag on him for keeping himself on the field. <laughs> that he, is he so hard. Me. When you're he coaching, man, it is. He on the sideline. He, he did what? Bill arguing with the officials. Get it, get oh, man. On that. I was one of the coaches that had to help, like, maintain sideline discipline yeah. through excitement and frustration. And it was hard for me to keep myself off the field because you are just – you're in the moment so much. It's ridiculous. Well <laughs> – with that being said, uh, let's take a look at um, – I, I think we'll do a show prior to uh, the Kansas State game, but uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the K-State game, the Sugar Bowl, Aunt Cindy? Do you, have, uh, do you have any thoughts going into this particular game and what you think this matchup might look like? Well, we talked about this the other day. You know, back in the day, like the Sugar Bowl was the game – I know all that's changed because of all the craziness they've done. But, like, you know, it was seemed like it was so much simpler years ago because it was, you know, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the um, Peach Bowl, the, you know, Orange Bowl. Um, so, I mean, it's – I think it's a good, you know, bowl game for them. And um, we watched a little of the other team um, – 
they're pretty good. So I don't know. It's gonna, they're gonna have to get out there. Well, and you know, now it's like, are you staying? Are you leaving? Are you going, right. you know, pro? Are you leaving to go in the portal? So, I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff about that. So that could keep their minds and stuff out of sorts, so I to agree. speak. I mean, could we win? Of course. We're we're able to win the game. It's just they've got to get out there and play the way that they can win. <laughs> well, based on what I've heard lately, it only matters if you're favored to win. It doesn't really matter if you win. Uh, <laughs> Wild Bill. What are your thoughts when it comes to this? Uh, what was your initial thoughts when you saw the rankings and you saw that Alabama um, was going to play K State in the Sugar Bowl? Uh, it didn't. It didn't matter to me because you know we're down thirteen scholarship players as of right at this moment. We'll probably be down more than that by the time. But K State will use it. This is their Super Bowl. This is their playoff. This is yes. their national championship game, and we That's look right. at it as this is just an old buddy-duddy game. <laughs> you hopefully are not we'll lying. Play, hopefully we'll play better than we did when we played Utah in the Sugar Bowl <laughs> a few years ago. Whew. But that, uh, but it's like Coach Saban said, we will work and develop and prepare the boys that are there to play in this game. So, who it's going to be, who knows? But uh, somebody's got to step up. Yeah. Oh, man. You're still 22 play, guys. You're still putting on that crimson jersey. That's right. With your name That's on right. the back of it. So, um, you, you know, so it'll, it'll be a good, should be a good ball game. Can, I'm telling you, Kansas State. Getting to play Alabama, they're gonna be so fired up. Yes, they will, and uh, they're gonna be. You know, in the in the group chat, as uh, as we talk about, you know, different things pertaining to Alabama football, I I espouse that uh, my biggest concern was it was going to be a Utah, Oklahoma moment. You know, when it's uh, it's the letdown game. Yeah, and I I also said that I it it was going to be our B team against. You know, K State, and at the uh, rate of attrition, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be the B team. <laughs> we don't know who's going to be there to play, but uh, I can tell you, we'll get a really good look at next year's football team uh, coming up here pretty quick. And I hope the guys that are going to play the game say, "This is my moment, and I'm going to take full advantage of it, and I'm going to show you what it is to play Alabama." I pray it's a statement game that we go out there, we compete hard. The best team that day wins, and I sure hope um, that it's Alabama. I've got some things to look into, and I don't, I don't want us to get you know real deep in the weeds because we don't know who's playing the game yet. So, I think once we get some detail around that, um, we'll know. I do not see, I don't see Will, and I don't see Bryce playing. I don't, uh, I don't know that Dallas is going to play. Um, I think it's going to be a very young game, and I truly, truly hope that we get our heads around. Ty Simpson playing quarterback and then uh, at a at like a superior H combo quarterback, you know, Milrow gets his opportunity to go out and stomp the ground. Um, 
but I just don't know that Bill O'Brien has it in him. So it's yeah. uh, it's going to be his system no matter what. Well, now to finish out the program, what's uh, that? Quincy Dallas won't have no ch- – he's just a sophomore, so he's – Oh. He, he well, can't – Yeah. He, he'll, okay. be, he'll be there. Hey. So he stepped is, in uh, last year when Drew Sanders got hurt after the other linebacker, and then Drew Sanders filled in. And then when Drew got hurt, it's when Dallas come in, and he was a true freshman. So he's just a sophomore. But I uh, I put oh that that's really you know, good news actually. But I look at some of the linemen that left. Cohen, I don't understand why he left. But like Brock Meyer, you know, five star, all the potential in the world. You're gonna get your chance now, but yet you've decided to leave the portal, to leave the school. Yeah, and that. You know, that's kind of like what we talked about, and it became evident to me the other day I was talking with a group of guys about football. And uh, one of them was talking about, hey, um, if you're a, a four-star, are you going to go to an Alabama and get little NIL money, or are you going to go to a smaller program where you can be the big man on campus and get good money? And I thought, holy cow, that, that makes a lot of sense. You can go to another college that's not an Alabama or a Georgia or Ohio State. You can make big NIL money, play for a couple years, hit the transfer portal, go to an Alabama uh, or a Georgia, make your name for the draft, and up your stock in just one year of transferring, and now you've, like, parlayed yourself into a higher higher draft spot. So I think that's – I mean, there's a great chance that's going to be the business. They're going to go to a smaller school and get as – you know, maximize their amount of money, and then – hit the transfer portal um, to get to a more prominent school and uh, increase their stock in the draft. Do you see but, that uh, happening? But the smaller schools don't have the money that the big schools have. Hey, Quincy. Well, I mean, they may – I agree with you. Yes, ma'am. I came across this um, guy today out of Nashville. I'll send you um, the name of his – show i think it's a radio broadcast but it's like you can watch it on youtube as he's broadcasting and he um had like three points that he was touching on so of course one of them was uh the portal and he said um i just jotted down some things that he said because i thought it was pretty interesting he said that you know the portal is on fire because they had a thousand Uh, different players that entered it in less than 24 hours of the first 24 hours. And he said um, a lot of um, players and schools are informed, but they're unprepared. And he said, you're either a portal flipper or a portal dipper. Yeah. And so he was saying that, um, a lot of these uh, universities and, and stuff, he said they're unprepared because he said even though they knew like that it was going to happen and stuff like that, he said that they have not prepared themselves because now all these colleges need to add a new department. And he said, you know, like they go to their head person and say, you know, we need an extra one to two million dollars. And they're like, oh no, we can't do that. And they're like, well, yeah, 
because now we need a college scout department no to doubt. scout the boys that are going the transfer into the portal. portal. And wow. he said that not every program has hired somebody and they haven't been ready or prepared. And he was talking about, oh, people just think, oh, they just go in the portal and it's, you know, whatever. He said, no, the portal is not a playground. He said it's serious. It and is. so um, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like I never thought about them having to have somebody to just take care of the players that are going to be going into the portal yeah. and what they're going to do with them when they get in yeah. there. And, you know, and he said he, he mentioned several different players. Uh, one was from South Carolina. His playing time had been down this year. He's like the number one, um, I thought he said back. Um, and so it was so unexpected, but he entered the portal because of the money situation, the NIL stuff. And he wants more playing time because he wasn't, he didn't get it this year, you know, at South Carolina. So, um, but you just think about a thousand, that's a lot. And then what if nobody right. takes them? Like, where do they end up? Like, yeah. they out, they out. I mean, it's just bye. <laughs> well, and Quincy, what I was referring to is like where Alabama's got these millions of dollars, like Texas A&M. Because the guy I worked with at the golf course that retired from Mississippi State as a professor, he said, Mississippi State said, we can't compete with that. He said, we might have three or four million dollars max. He said, but we said, our, our school can't come up with 13, 15, 20 million dollars to pay these guys. So that's what I would wow. refer to the smaller, they, they can't yeah. compete with that. Well, you definitely have the edge there because I I don't have any insight to to where the money comes from and how much if there's a cap on it. I I gotta defer to you when it comes there. I just know at this early stage, um, I'm sure it's going to evolve before we get some kind of structure around what's going to make sense because otherwise, it's not. It's it's just going to make the rich get richer in this situation, which, uh, you know, I'm all in favor of, you know, free market capitalism. But when it comes to college football, it's already about the money and it's just going to exaggerate the issue. And um, everybody can't play on the field at the same time, yeah. you know. And yeah. so, you know, what 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 does this become now? Um, what do you have it, What's going to happen next? I mean, I know the guys bring in a ton of money because of the sports, but are you gonna are you gonna have to start paying, you know, people that uh, people that come to your school to be a doctor? You're gonna have to start paying them because they have a prominent name. I don't know where it ends. I just don't know where the ending oh, of this yeah. thing is. It, uh, it and I, like I say, I, there there had to be some creative ways where you could you could store the money up for these gentlemen. Um, and not pay them immediately, you know, give them some kind of financial benefit, but put the money in an account that once they graduate or they go to the NFL, they can, they can use the money. Well, right and now, you got, you got to have employees taking care of that. Right. 
you, you're talking about millions of dollars, and it's something collective is what Alabama's is. In all the schools, it's a collective thing is what it's called. But like on my, my bleacher report, you know, I've had it all these years looking at Alabama stuff. So I got a thing from the university. See, they send out this stuff out. They don't care if you can't give but 5, 10, 20, 50, 100. Five, just if you can give $5, you're, you're contributing to this collective at the University of Alabama. And that's what, how the, this money's coming in. But you these talk about these 18 and 19-year-olds. I mean, that a lot of them have, you know, they've not had the best maybe home lives or the best family situation and sports has been their life and they've, you know, dedicated everything to play well. And then you get to college and then somebody says, Oh, Hey, let's do a million dollars or let's do, you know, 500,000 or whatever. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility for an 18 year old or a 19 year old. And if they don't have like, parents that are involved in their situation then they don't really have anybody to steer them you know in the right like it's a it's just a lot and you know coach Saban has talked about this ever since it started and people just bashed him because they were like oh he's just jealous or he he doesn't want you know the players to have this or that or he's mad because he's not getting the best players I honestly think he knew this is kind of what was going to happen and it's yeah, just they, created a, you know. It's created a vacuum. And now, it, you know, as if there wasn't enough distraction when it comes to college and football and, you know, your education, now they've added millions of dollars <laughs> worth of distraction. Right. And what happens when somebody wins the lottery? They get friends and family they never knew about. Yeah. So now they're having to deal with people coming to them wanting to get what belongs to them just because they know them. So really they've increased the level of um, responsibility on these young men that they're not ready for. And I I think that there could have been a better way to manage this. That's why I say, you know, put, put the money in account. They don't have access to give them a stipend off of that, but let them, let them gain value for themselves. But at the same time, ensure that they still have something to strive towards when it goes towards excellence and creating value for themselves at at the next level. Um, And then avoid the distraction. I'm sure if it was in an account, then there would be banks or, you know, lenders out there that would loan them the money against that so they'd still be able to get it. But, you know, far be it from me to tell people what to do and how to do it with their own money. But I think it's – I think ultimately – Hopefully the pendulum goes. It, it was that you get no money unless it's a secret. Now you get all the money you can make. Hopefully we find a place where it can settle, that it's responsible, that it's uh, you know something that's fair, so that the other, so the smaller schools or the 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 other schools don't get left behind. Um, and ultimately, what's most important, we're doing what's best for these young men because okay, your your name generates a lot of money. For the university, hey, dude, I'm a free market capitalist. Create value for yourself. Go and do it. But are they ready for this? Do they have any financial education to be able to steer these millions of dollars 
and and fend off the people that are coming to take it from them um, or hustle it out of them or whatever. All the schools are supposed to have the guys to help with this, but you take, you're getting money from the collective, but then say you endorse three or four products, you're getting money from, from them for advertising for them, for them using your name. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and then here you all grew up poor in this neighborhood and you, you're driving around in a brand new $120,000 car. I mean, you know, come on now, a Porsche. And you didn't have doodly-doo yeah. growing up. Yeah, like like the, some of the former players said, they spoiled, if you don't believe it, go down there and look in the parking lot during practice. Look at what they're driving. Yeah, so. you can see that. And, and, and with that, has there been a change in culture and accountability to Alabama? I guess the rest remains to be seen. That's all we got for this episode. Any final thoughts, Aunt Cindy? Saving correspondent. <sighs> well, I don't like to be critical, but I just do of think, me. Do what? Just of me. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <coughs> I just wonder, you know, sometimes now that he's maturing. And has grandbabies if he's softening his edge just a little. Could be. So, you know, I mean, I think he's still, he he is good. But, you know, like watching um, like Georgia and like Kirby Smart. I mean, you think about that. He was with Coach Saban for how many years? And then now here he is kind of in the place where Alabama has been and Coach Saban has been. But, you know, he learned from the best. You know what I'm saying? So then he just goes and I don't know. I I don't want to think it's um, (laughs) – I don't want to think it's over. I saw somebody post the other day, hey, we went through the three mics back in the day. No doubt. (laughs) It was – that was bad. (laughs) So, you both you know, <laughs> it was, you know, and the cool. thing, the, truly the thing about it, it's like, hey, Coach Saban, you've softened up. That's no problem. You've grown and you're, you know, y- you are evolving as a, as a human being. That's fine. Just please make this version effective. That's all we care about. <laughs> but I, you know? I believe, because even me and Cindy and then some guys I've talked to, the NIL could be what causes Saban to get out of coaching. Yeah. Could he may be. say, you know, I, I can't I can't deal with this. You, you know? Well it might it it might be the thing that uh that drives him out. Irregardless, I know we're being critical of this particular season. It's ten and two. Let's hope it goes to eleven and two. Um I've got nothing but the utmost respect for what he's done for the University of Alabama. Oh yeah. I mean, he's really created a lot of opportunities for other coaches. They are spread amongst college football, and they're they have their own level of success. And then he's really, you know, fostered an environment for uh, opportunity for players that have gone on, and now they're millionaires. Um, one in particular that was really disappointing over the weekend. Probably shouldn't even bring it up, but Damian Harris wearing Planned Parenthood cleats really, really just hit me in my gut. I felt terrible about seeing that, but anyway. Did he? 
He did. And yeah, uh, it was it was extremely disappointing. But, you know, I, hey, this has been a great show. It's definitely a great show because we got to celebrate the win, 49 to 27. Me like a spoiled kid saying it wasn't good enough. <laughs> I need to maybe readjust my standards and, you know, be happy that we're winning. Um, but with that great show, Aunt Cindy, absolute fantastic segment. Uh, with the saving correspondence. Wild Bill, those Bama bullet points in the second quarter, I love them. You're doing nothing but getting better and better. Um, so for Cindy Smith, our saving correspondent, Wild Bill and his Bama bullet points, I am Quincy Moran, a.k.a. the Cute Dog. And this is the BS Podcast. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide, roll, baby. <laughs> One message for you two from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? It's not rocket science, you know. I think you, like me, um, have a face for radio. You know who me? Okay. We gonna play with the players we got. The next man up. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. We need a little bit more professionalism.